to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back again on my own this time around to keep the Raw and Nitro train chugging along. Um, in a little bit of an awkward phase here because Nitro comes to us the night after Bash at the Beach, which Carl and I are trying to hook up a review for very soon, but Raw is still two weeks out from the international incident, so you kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't with the recording order here. I decided it's best to keep the shows going. A lot of people are going to be spending a lot more time indoors, and for my dozens and dozens of listeners, giving you something else to fill your day with for half an hour here and there isn't the worst thing we can do, so... We're going to get this one banged out and a few more little reviews coming up very soon. Um, And, yeah, keep things going, and hopefully Carl and I will be able to lock schedules in pretty shortly. So we're going to the Raw um, and Nitro from July 8, 1996. If you haven't kept up chronologically, let everyone know where we're at. And not surprisingly, Nitro smashed Raw by a full ratings point on this one, pulling in a 3.5 to Raw's 2.5. Obviously, the night after one of the most historic pay-per-view shows in history, you'd expect Nitro to get the win. And to be fair, the show has been quite a bit better in quality uh, most weeks for some time now, so not really that surprising. But that being said, at this point in time, Raw's a shorter show, so I watched Raw first. We're going to head over and check out what Vince's crew had to offer before we look at the fallout of one of the big shows that I announce the suspension of the Ultimate Warrior. This suspension is a direct result of the Ultimate Warrior's failure to appear as advertised last weekend in Indianapolis, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. This suspension will be immediately lifted, however, as soon as the Warrior post an appearance bond to ensure WWF fans that he will appear were advertised. However, the Ultimate Warrior is here tonight, as promised, and will wrestle Owen Hart. We remain hopeful that the Ultimate Warrior will soon post an appropriate appearance bond and return to action here in the World Wrestling Federation. Despite the immense popularity of the Ultimate Warrior, no one wrestler is above answering to our loyal WWF fans. So yeah, let's make this perfectly clear. The Warrior has been immediately, indefinitely suspended because he needs to post an appearance bond to make sure he appears. But don't worry, he's here on Raw tonight. We don't think he's actually posted that appearance bond, so after this he won't be. But he's appeared tonight just fine, but he won't appear again unless he pays to say he'll always appear. Hope everybody else has got that, because this was confusing as shit. And basically what's happened is Raw was taped before he no-showed the house shows, and this was their shit explanation. Um, Raw really should have just let the Warrior have his match and then have this come up afterwards and say, yeah, he was here tonight, but it's come to our attention that he no-showed the house shows. Um, Gorilla Monsoon's just met with the Warrior after his match, and he's refused to post a bond, so we're letting him go. Like, it took me 30 seconds to think of something that could be more logical and coherent than this. That was just stupid what they actually tried to do. That being said, the Warrior is here for the first match, and it's Warrior against Owen Hart. Um, He gets a big pop, the Warrior, and honestly, he was one of my favorite ever wrestlers, and this is as far as I'm aware, his last ever televised WWF match, but God, it annoyed me thinking, oh, it's going to be against Owen, and poor Owen's going to get squashed here. 
And as a result of all this scrambling and post-production nonsense, we get an inadvertently funny moment where Vince is retelling a story about how great the Ultimate Warrior is, but clearly Vince McMahon is on camera and not speaking at the time. It's pretty funny. Uh, and we get picture in picture, um, and Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson backstage telling us their third man and replacement will be coming soon, which considering supposedly Gorilla Monsoon just announced live that the Warrior was going to be suspended about a minute ago, I'm unsure how they've had time to scramble, get together, decide on a third man, have them agree, and be in the area to come to the show. So, yeah, a little bit ridiculous. Um, in the match, the Warrior hits a couple of hip tosses and a clothesline to the Owen sending him out. It's all Warrior early, as you'd expect. We get a power slam, a side slam, before Owen comes back with a spin kick, which is completely no-sold. Uh, dick move of the week from the Warrior there. Um, Owen's bumping like a boss, and you take one of his signature moves and just ignore it. Warrior with a suplex as we go to a commercial. When we come back, Owen's finally in control for a short period. He hits an enziguri, but misses a couple of drop kicks. Uh, Bulldog comes out, and we get three clotheslines, a flying shoulder from the Warrior, and that's enough for the Bulldog to say, fuck this, and jumps in. But Warrior clotheslines him. Vader then comes out, and they triple team as we go to a commercial. And when we come back, the Warrior's being helped out the building. So not only in that minute between the Gorilla Monsoon announcement and this match starting, did Sean and Ahmed think, oh, well, we'll have to get a new partner. They also decided, ah, oh, fuck it. If they kill the Warrior, we're not helping him anymore. I know we're all mates as of 10 minutes ago, but, you know, Gorilla's suspending him, so fuck that guy. Really, really illogical nonsense on Raw here. Um, and some of the best people on Raw involved in this angle as well being made to look like a bit of a joke. We come back and we see um, Shawn Michaels and Ahmed yet again. Um, it's... Yeah, not really good. They're being shown for multiple promos in between segments, but we've seen them right before and right after the Warriors been killed three on one and they've done nothing. From there, we go to our next match, which is Savio Vega versus, sorry, as my dog barks, Justin Hawk Bradshaw. And I have to say, I really groaned at the thought of this. I was like, come on, I can't stand this. This is going to be the WCW DDP versus um, Johnny B. Bad here. But the match surprised me a little bit. When we get started, um, we have... Well, actually, sorry, before the match gets started, we have Brian Pillman trying to sneak out and attack Savio Vega, but J.J. Dillon comes out and stops him, which is quite funny. Some more of that Pillman loose cannon stuff that really we didn't get for long enough. Savio starts a match with a big shoulder and three hip tosses. A spin kick in the corner, which was really cool, gets him a two count. Bradshaw comes back with a bulldog, and we go into a really strong slugfest before Bradshaw locks on a sleeper. Vega with a crossbody for a two, and Bradshaw with a big boot for a two. Um, we get a leg drop for a two. Mr. Perfect phones in, but we go to a commercial before we really hear anything from him, which is quite ridiculous. And during the commercial break, his phone connection gets lost, so absolutely pointless, but made me laugh. Um, we get a pump handle drop from Bradshaw for a two. A top rope shoulder block for a two, which is cool. Uncle Zebediah on the outside. Bradshaw's manager trips Savio Vega. But Bradshaw was going for the clothesline at the time, and this stops his momentum. Savio then hits his spin kick for the one, two, three. But Bradshaw, quite pissed off, smashes him over the head with his cowbell after the match. It was a really, really decent snug match. It probably went a minute or two too long, but way better than what I was expecting when I saw these two guys come out. So bravo, that was really enjoyable. Probably the best part of Raw, to be fair. We see Michaels and Ahmed again. It's dull. Nothing to write home about. You can't give two guys, and when one of them's Ahmed Johnson and the others, I've got news for you, Sean Michaels, eight promo segments in a show and not have some boring bits happening, unfortunately. From there, we go to our main event. It's the Godwins taking on the British Bulldog and Vader. 
Vader, of course, dominates early, and we get a really big beatdown from him. Before Henry hits a suplex and a clothesline on the Bulldog, Vader hits a clothesline on Phineas. Phineas hits a Bulldog for a two. The Bulldog hits a slam and a leg drop for a two. Jim Cornette's joined the commentary team as well, and he's talking a mile a minute, so it's hard to get much sense out of him, but he's entertaining as always. Vader hits a splash for a two before Vince says there's some time issues and we won't be able to show an Undertaker video they were going to show. Didn't know about it, not disappointed, wish I hadn't mentioned it. Vader bomb for a two count, a, a slam from Henry on Vader, which was quite cool. We then go to a four-man brawl, and the crowd's pretty hot for this, to be fair. But the Bulldog hits his signature power slam on Phineas for a three. A decent match, not too bad of an ending as we go to a commercial break. When we come back for the final segments, we've got picture-in-picture picture again with Jim Cornette on one side and Sean and Ahmed on the other, and they announce who their mystery partner is going to be, much to the chagrin of Jim Cornette, which I'll let you all have a little listen to and decide if it was worth the wasting of half a show building this up. Um, the payoff's quite good, in my opinion, but yeah, just the way they got to it was quite crappy. But I'll give you the payoff because that's the interesting bit. And in a moment, we're going to take you back to our studios to Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson. There's the team, though, All right, man. gentlemen, Ahmed Johnson, Shawn Michaels. Ahmed, where's your partner? Yeah. Come on, G. He's here. He's in the parking lot. I tell you what, we're going to bring him in, and when you see him, you're going to lay eyes on the perfect partner in this situation. World Wrestling Federation Superstar Line is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just call 1-900-737-4-WWF. On option six, you'll hear speculation on the alleged love triangle between Goldust, Marlena, and Sable. But where does mankind fit into this picture? The call costs only $1.49 per minute, and kids, you must be 18 years of age or have your parents' permission before calling. Welcome back, everyone, to more Monday Night Raw. Jim Cornette back in the locker room area. You don't seem too upset over whom Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson are going to choose as a partner. Why would I be upset? It's been a real productive night for Camp Cornette because the Ultimate Warrior's out of the picture in more ways than one. And Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson, they're just bluffing. They're trying to buy time. They ain't got no partner. They don't because, have anybody do the Jimmy. Of course not, King, because <laughs> nobody in our right mind would step into that spot to be their partner in that six-man tag. After what we just did a little while ago to the Warrior, right. I happen to know that all the WWF superstars, they already have prior commitments. Yeah. So nobody in our right mind would step into it. All the other guys are taken. So Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson, you're bluffing. July 21st. International incident, I promise you this. The three members of Camp Cornette are going to take real good care of the two of you because you're coming to a gang fight and you're forgetting to bring your own gang. Oh, yeah! <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Let's take you out of Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, standing by. Gentlemen, we're running out of time. Yeah, Whom have you chosen? Jim Cornette, we don't bluff. This is the World Wrestling Federation. Boy, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, and you should have folded. Surprise, surprise. Look what we have for Camp Cornette. My, my. Psycho what? shit! You're looking at me! And you're probably asking yourself, Sean Michaels, what have you got and done? Yeah, twice. He's opened the gates of hell, and he has released me. This time for you, Cornette, and the Cornette camp. There's nothing! There's no good news! I can hear you. I can hear you screaming out for help. For help. But there's no one there. <laughs> much rather be on this team, believe me. There's no one there! Thank you, gentlemen, and Jim Cornette. Put the camera no back on me! What are you trying to do to me? Gorilla Monsoon, somebody trying to do... Cam Cornette is not going to get in the ring with that guy. He's a nut. That's why he hasn't been in the WWF. He's been locked up someplace getting treatment. Putting electrodes to his head. They've traded out the gas chamber for the electric chair. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I ain't going to put up 
with this. There's no way that Camp Cornette is going to be forced to get in the ring with a stinking monster like Psycho Sid. I'm calling Clarence Mason. I'm doing whatever I got to do. But one way or another, Hello, I'm, everyone, I'm, hear about this I'm sick and tired. So yeah, Raw goes off the air with the big reveal that it's going to be Psycho Sid and Jim Cornette has a coronary. Um, I actually forgot there was an ad break in between, so I left the Superstar Line uh, commercial in there for your listening pleasure as well. Um, yeah, not bad. Um, this was a really disjointed um, show, obviously because of the Ultimate Warrior situation, but they did manage to pack in a few moments of quality, and I've got to say, all things considered, it was entertaining, if nothing else. So Raw gets a you know slight thumbs up from me, although not one of their better outings and probably not the show I'd want to be airing the night after the uh, big term, which we're about to talk about now as we head over to Nitro. Peace God. Peace God. Now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane. It's like that job. It's like that job. We're going to very quickly reminisce about a piece of merchandise, which I'd actually love to be able to get my hands on again, although I'd have no use for it due to modern technology. It was a VHS tape that came free with the video game WWF Attitude, and if anyone remembers this video, please talk to me about it. If you've still got it, definitely fill me in. Um, I may even have to give a shout out to some of the guys that collect the VHSs over on Twitter and have a chat to them. Um, but the one videotape that I really loved having as a kid, um, probably because it came after so long of not having much, was the um, the tape that came with the Attitude game. From memory, I can tell you it definitely had uh, clips from the angle where Austin put gold dust in the portaloo and the X-Pac and Outlaws joining up with DX the night after WrestleMania 14. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what else was on that tape, but those two things, for someone who never saw Raw as a kid, and, you know, we got recap on Superstars from about 98 onwards, um, mid-98, these two things happened late 97, early 98, and that was the first time I'd ever seen either of those two incidents, and it blew my mind, the stuff I was missing on Raw. So, yeah, big um, trip down memory lane as I thought about that one the other day. I'd love to track it down on eBay, but I don't have a VCR, so if I got it, I wouldn't be able to watch it anyway, and I could probably just go and watch those things on the network, but, you know, reminiscing is always fun, so... As always, I love to have a chat about old mem memorabilia and things that we used to have uh, when we were younger. If anyone has any suggestions or any things they want me to talk about, please feel free to send me a message on Twitter. Um, that's the best way to contact me. But any contributions to the show are always welcome. But now, let's go across and check out Nitro. Last night at Bash at the Beach, we found out who the third man was. 
We were all stunned. It was disbelief, Larry, and I can tell you right now, later on in this television program, in the second hour, words cannot describe what happened last night, but the pictures will. We will show you exactly what Hulk Hogan did to World Championship Wrestling and all the fans worldwide, Larry. You know, there was one adjective you left out. It was the word disgusting. I'm disgusted. It was an act of total unmanliness that I'm never going to waste my time commenting on right now. Well, we'll be talking about it during the course of the program. And remember, in the second hour, the pictures will tell the story of what Hulk Hogan did last night. We began the program last night in great fashion as we had Rey Mysterio Jr. Let's take a look at some of the sights going up against Psychosis. So yeah, you heard Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco open up the show there. It's very casual Friday. They're outside at Disney MGM, so it's got a very different feel to it to the normal Nitro. And we kick off with Rey Mysterio taking on Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight Championship. Hell yeah, what a way to start the show. We have some good chain wrestling um, and some arm drags from both of them. We get a springboard drop kick for a two count from Rey. Dean hits a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker and a Northern Lights for a two as we go to our first commercial. He hits a Pearl River Plunge for a two and then locks on a Camel Clutch before hitting a huge front suplex onto the top rope. A body scissors and the crowd gets behind Ray. We get a slam for a two and Ray misses an Acai Moonsault. He lands on the concrete, which looked really sore. He comes back, though. He hits a top rope Rana and a springboard Moonsault for a two. Dean Malenko hits an Avalanche Gut Buster, which looked amazing for a two, but... It would have been a three. He lifted Ray's shoulders off the mat. Proper heel move, that one. Then hits an overhead belly-to-belly suplex and again lifts him up. And then as he goes for another move, Ray pops it into a Rana slash roll-up for the one, two, three. And winning the Cruiserweight Championship from Dean Malenko in an amazing opening contest for Nitro. A really big moment. Uh, Just really, really enjoyed this all round. This would be match of the night on just about any TV night. So really, really good stuff. Can't say enough good about the opening to this show. From there, we go backstage to Gene, who's with the Nasty Boys and the Steiner Brothers. Um, We get a little bit of an odd back-and-forth promo. They're obviously both in contention for the tag team titles, and I'll let you guys have a bit of a listen to this one, because what's better than four big, loud, shouty wrestlers? In the confines of the locker room here, I'm joined by the Nasty Boys, along with the Steiner Brothers. Later on in this show tonight, they're going to be locking up the winners, by the way, on August the 10th. The next WCW pay-per-view, Hog Wild. One of these teams will be meeting the Harlem Heat for the WCW tag team title. Scott? You know me, Gene? I can't agree with the way Harlem Heat won the belts or how they beat us last week when Colonel Park hit my brother in the head with the cane. It didn't hurt. But if we had to face the Nasty Boys tonight Get to your see who... Out of his face. Hey, shut up, fat hey, yeah, I can't say I like the way you guys act. I can't say agree the way you guys look, but I do respect your wrestling ability. You guys have been champion before, so have we. Tonight, we're going to see who the better team is. Hey, hey, I don't care and knobs don't care about your stinking problems with the Harlem Heat. All I care about is me and Nobbs winning that match tonight. And who's going to get that title shot? You been down Nasty Boulevard before. You walked it. You know what it's about. I know you can fight, and we ain't backing down. That ain't an interview out there. It's Nastyville. Hope you're ready, punk. Yeah, keep talking. I'm not here. I don't think it's Nastyville. Come down to the door, pal, and get down where it gets real nasty, boy. You see, my nose is to the ground. I smell them. I smell the heat. 
I'm coming after you, boys. I got you. Nasty boys, you're getting away. It's just something ain't going to be personal. All I know, all I know is they're in for one hell of a match. Because us guys getting together, it's going to be Fourth of July all over again. We respect you. You respect us. Thank you, gentlemen. Why not get in the middle of a mess like this? These four men are going to be meeting later on here when WCW Monday Nitro continues on TNT. Awesome promo by four really awesome tag team wrestlers at this point. Uh, before we go to a Glacier commercial for about the millionth time, and Big Bubba Rogers and Hugh Morris, the Laughing Man, taking on the Blue Bloods. We get started with a drop kick by Dave Taylor, and then a clothesline by Hugh Morris. Larry Bis- Zabisco tries to tell us Bubba moves like Rey Mysterio, and we just laugh at him. I mean, Bubba had some great agility for a big man. This wasn't his prime here in WCW, and he never moved like Rey. That's just ridiculous. We get a boss man slam, but Dave Taylor makes a save. And then Shark comes out with his stupid fucking haircut. Um, He looks like the illegitimate love child of King Kong Bundy and Jake the Snake Roberts with half a haircut and half a mustache. The Blue Bloods double team on Hugh Morris and get the pin as we go to a commercial in what was a pretty, you know, sharp drop down from the first match. We get told on Saturday night this week we'll see Public Enemy versus Harlem Heat. That should be pretty cool. And then we go to our next matchup, which is... Eddie Guerrero taking on Psychosis. Sorry, as I momentarily pause for a coughing fit there. Um, we have an inset promo from Rey Mysterio talking about how disappointed in Hulk Hogan he is, which was just seems a little out of place. I know that's obviously the locker room sentiments, but it just seemed weird to throw that in there after one of the biggest nights of his career had happened, you know, sort of 10, 15 minutes ago. Inside the match, we get an arm drag from Guerrero after a really quick opening exchange. We get a corkscrew moonsault to the floor from Psychosis, which is just incredible. Uh, and a second cruiserweight match on the show as well. Really, really happy with this. Psychosis works over Ray, uh, Eddie's arm for a bit, sorry. Um, and we get an arm bar. We get a drop kick from Psychosis. Eddie Guerrero comes back with an inverted atomic drop. Psychosis with a top rope Hurricane Rana for a two. And then a powerbomb off the second rope for a two before Eddie hits a superplex and follows it up with the frog splash for the one, two, three in a fast, enjoyable encounter. Not quite as hot as the opener because the belt was on the line and Ray's really, really popular right now, but it's not far below it either. After the match, we go to Gene, who is with the Giant, Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart. Giant says that while he's a champ, life is good not to worry about the NWO, and Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan add some unremarkable remarks to the segment as well. Before we go to the match that was teased earlier with the promo, it's the Nasty Boys taking on the Steiner brothers for the number one contender spot at Hogwild to take on Harlem Heat. We get a double team on Scott to start with before he fights back. We get a double underhook suplex from Scott and a double team on Rick from the Nasties then. Rick fights back with a power slam as we go into the 60-second countdown for hour two. This is still really awkward when they do it in the matches, by the way. Beautiful T-bone suplex from Scott. And then we get a... um, Jerry Zags basically takes a chair off a kid in the front row to nail Scott Steiner with it as we open up hour two to fireworks and a big shot of the crowd. Bischoff and Heenan tag in on commentary, and then back in the ring, Scott hits a belly-to-belly and an overhead belly-to-belly as we see Sherry and Colonel Parker out scouting the teams. 
Sherry distracts as the Colonel nails um, Jerry Sags. He was aiming for Scott Steiner, though. And Steiner's pick up the win with the 1-2-3 off of this inadvertent shot to the Nasty Boys. Gene comes out, and the Nasty Boys are not happy. Jerry Sags is going off, and Gene takes a mic off him, which Brian Nobbs tells Gene never to do again. Um, not as good as the shouty promo first up, but still peak Nasty Boys here. From there, we seem to transform back to 1989 superstars of wrestling as the heavyweight, sorry, the US champ Ric Flair takes on Jim Powers. We have a backdrop and a headlock takedown from Powers for a two before Flair pokes the eye and gets some chops and strikes in. Jim Powers hits a drop kick and Ric Flair takes his patented corner bump as well, then goes up top and of course gets caught there. Powers hits a couple of clotheslines and a small package for a two, getting way too much offense in for my liking, before Flair comes back with a chop chop block and works on the leg, locks on the figure four, and it's all over. Gene then comes out and interviews the four horsemen and the girls. Arn cuts a really good promo on Hulk. Flair cuts a promo on everybody in the world, and we go out to a commercial. When we come back, we see Chris Benoit taking on the pit bull, Craig Pittman, with Teddy Long. Pitbull hits an overhead belly-to-belly, and we go into a slugfest pretty quickly. Benoit hits a clothesline and gets the crossface. Teddy comes into the ring and asks the referee to ring the bell in a really weird finish. I don't know what they're going for here. Hopefully it's something we'll see played out over the coming weeks, although I don't really care if we don't see too much of Craig Pittman either. It's now time for the main event, and it's Arn Anderson taking on Sting. Double A, uh, sorry, Sting works on the arm of Double A early before we go outside to brawl and go into the commercial break. Bischoff's selling that the NWO stuff is coming soon. I think they're coming to the building and the footage is coming from the night before. Arn locks on an abdominal stretch and gets his knees up on a splash on Sting. We get a Boston Crab from Arn as we see a limo pull up outside, which is obviously going to be Hall and Nash. We get a clothesline from Sting and then Hall and Nash coming in to the arena so the match stops dead. Macho Man runs out and wants to get involved. Arn tries a cheap shot on Sting, who actually t- catches him and gets the win with the Scorpion Deathlock. Security stop Hall and Nash getting in the ring. Gene comes out, and Sting cuts a good promo on Hulk Hogan. Macho Man says he can't say what he feels on TV. Um, a little bit strange there. And we go to a commercial. When we come back, Gene's with the Outsiders, and they cut a decent heel promo. Nothing too great here um, to end the show. And the commentary team run down the bash at the beach angle from the night before. It was a little bit of a lame ending um, on what was a really, really hot Nitro. Um, Awesome show. Two great Cruiserweight matches. Really heaps of heat from the night before. They kind of just went out with a bit of a damp squib on this one here. Um, Yeah, a bit strange to end the show this flat i guess i didn't really have an angle planned but maybe just show footage and keep them off the show for the night or something i don't really know are we certainly are or were last night they come in limo with the driver here gentlemen we have things to talk about what transpired last night at the bash of the beach first knocking lex luger out of action had happened actually at the hands of one of his own men sting sting and the macho man then continuing on the surprise of the night we'll see a little bit later just moments from now, right here on TNT. But you, sir, you and your partner come to this great organization, and all of a sudden, things start to crumble. But I don't think that trend is going to continue for long, my friend. You know, Gene, I could uh, have to uh, beg to differ with you on that one. You know, I thought tonight after we proved ourselves, you know, WCW last night took a beating. 
You know, the fans took a beating because the Hulkster told them exactly how it was. You know, Hulk built professional wrestling. These people can't even appreciate that. He and I can. Next week, the third member of the New Order will be here. Hulk Hogan will be at Nitro. And we'll see what these people have to do. We'll see what the, the WCW, what the big boys are going to put up against us. Because last night, I don't know about you, big boy, but uh, I felt like Mike, uh, Mark Furman at the... Uh, the, the OJ Apollo. trial? No, yeah. at the Apollo. Oh. I mean, geez, come on. The people were rough on us. They had reason to be rough on you. And I'll tell you, one man, if he's not here, he's got to be watching this television program. Hulk Hogan. Hi, Hulk. So many people so disappointed in your actions. I don't know if you coerced him into this or if he did this of his own volition, but nonetheless, it's been done. I just want to start by saying, Chico, that this portion of WCW Monday Nitro brought to you by The Outsiders and Hulk Hogan. I, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Hey, we said we'd do it. We advertised it, then we delivered we said we'd kick their butts, and we did it. And we're still the outsiders. We got to crash the party. You should be begging us to come in the door. You know, somebody made a comment to me this evening that, that I might not be working any longer. I'd like to know just what kind of control you guys have here. Gene, you know, scheme Gene, as far as I'm concerned, Chico, you got a job with the New World Order. Gentlemen, I will continue to work for Turner Broadcasting. What's the word with Hogan? Where is he tonight? Well, uh, I believe the Hulkster's back on the set uh, doing a movie tonight. Yeah, you know something? What? I heard that punk Randy Savage talking about Hollywood Hulk. A little bit jealous there, Mach. Just a little jealous. And, and for Luger, he didn't get hurt. He fainted when he saw us. Thank you, gentlemen. I don't like what I hear. Stay tuned. When we return on Nitro, you're going to see what went down. Please at the bash at the beach. So yeah, not the um, not the greatest promo there to end Nitro, but we won't let that ruin what was another otherwise really enjoyable show. We're going to head straight into the ratings now. For me, when it comes to match quality, which is always the biggest determination for me on what was a better show, it's hands down Nitro. Even though Raw had some decent wrestling, particularly um, Sabio Vega and Bradshaw, surprisingly, none of them are keeping up with the likes of Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, Dean Malenko. Um, so Nitro gets the big win in the match qu quality category. And I'm actually going to give them the win, which I don't often do, in production value as well. Because even though I don't like the 60-second um, countdown in the middle of the show and swapping commentators... Raw just made such an absolute balls up of the Ultimate Warrior situation in the way they handled that, and it made the show look poor. Seeing Vince not talking while he was clearly talking on commentary didn't help either. Um, they were obviously trying to give off that Raw was live, and they really failed miserably at that one. As far as storylines, it's got to go with um, Nitro, although the Sid reveal was quite cool on Raw, but carrying on the NWO stuff is just, it's the biggest storyline in wrestling right now, and it's hard to beat when they've got that going on. As for characters, um, I would probably give it a tie. We didn't see Hogan right after his turn, which really hurt Nitro, because they did have most of the other big names on, but Raw also didn't feature the likes of The Undertaker and Mankind, so they didn't exactly put all their big players on the show either. As for Crowd Heat, I'm going to go with a tie on that one as well, because 
Nitro did have a crowd, you know, that were into the show and had hot stuff going on, but they were outside at Disney, not a very large crowd. And Raw did get some good pops and crowd participation through the night as well. So overall, a solid win for Nitro, though it wasn't a clean sweep. But yeah, you can definitely see why the ratings are ahead. You can see why in 96, 97 and early 98, Nitro and WCW was the hottest brand in wrestling, as much as I hated to admit it at the time. That will do it for this episode. Um, I do apologize again for the lack of episodes that have been coming out recently, and I'm going to hit you with quite a few quick fire. I've got a few ideas up my sleeve. Since we're all pretty much stuck at home more than ever before, I want to give you guys some stuff to listen to and spend the time wisely getting some content out. Uh, so look for an episode with Carl and myself when we can figure out from opposite sides of the world how that's going to go down. Duncan and I will be hooking up again very soon. Richie and I are actually looking at starting a brand new series, which we'll fill you in on very soon. And I've got a couple of solo shows is coming your way soon as well including as well if i can manage it i'm going to attempt to look at reviewing some old wrestling video games very very soon as i've got access to some stuff that i don't normally have so that'll do it for today as always hit me up on twitter with any questions concerns comments leave us a review or give us any good or bad feedback anytime you like always helps and stay safe everybody try and make the best of a bad situation peace and is here The game is over No more pretending